Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode 326. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy that you're here to join us today. And I'm also thrilled to introduce our guest, Jenny Eden Burke. Jenny is the founder of Jenny Eden Coaching, and she left her job of 13 years in the health education field to pursue her passion of starting her own coaching practice. Jenny, welcome, and thanks so much for joining us. Kim, thank you so much for having me. I'm so thrilled to be here. Oh, you're so welcome. I would love if you would jump in and give an even better introduction and background on you because you know the full story and you know what it felt like and experienced it. Yeah, I would love to share that. So yeah, as you said, I was a health educator for 13 years at a national health and weight management company and been a chronic dieter myself. I was a little bit triggered being there because my sole job was to help and support other people to lose weight very rapidly. And after about 13 years of this, I started to realize that I wasn't really helping people. I was actually just sort of put a, putting a Band-Aid on a wound and not really getting to the root cause of why people overeat or binge eat or emotionally eat. And I wasn't sort of tackling it with my own life either. So after 13 years, I quit my job. I I got my certificate in eating psychology coaching, and I started my own practice two and a half years ago, and I haven't looked back. And my practice is really about Uh, helping people heal their relationship with food and with their bodies. And it's a much deeper uh, approach than I ever did before. And I'm seeing just so many breakthroughs and paradigm shifts. And it's, it's just amazing. It's so meaningful for me. Wow. Well, okay, this is not an area that I have any knowledge in or experience or definitely not expertise. I mean, if I have no knowledge or experience, I definitely don't have expertise. How long do you think you were thinking about leaving your job? Or do you know how long you were thinking about leaving your job and pursuing your coaching practice before you actually did? Yeah, you know, the first 10 years were great, actually. And I, you know, I had my three children during that time. They were really flexible about me having the mom hat sometimes. And, you know, I could always leave to take my kids to a doctor's appointment. So I kind of just, I want to say, just sort of put my head in and just did it. And wasn't really thinking because I was so distracted with parenting and all these other things about really what I was doing and how I was helping people. And then about, I would say, at the 10th year, I started to feel like, huh, there are a lot of people who keep coming back, you know, they've lost weight, and looks like they've gained it back. And now they're here again. And I started to feel like, am I really am I really doing them a service? Like, is it really helping people? And I started to like face these really tough questions, both with what the work I was doing for other people, but also for myself, because I felt like there was always a spotlight on me to be a good role model and to be super thin and to diet and to, and that for me, that was always a trigger and always really challenging. And I was starting to feel like, what can I do to heal my own relationship with food? Like this can't be good. Always like aggressively dieting and then gaining it back and so on and so forth. So I would say there was three years that I was contemplating and starting to ruminate about it and doing the research and everything sort of came to a head around July of 2000. 
what was it, 15, I'd say. And that's when I started to be like, wow, what would it be like if I started my own practice? Like, do I have the confidence to do that? Am I able to, like, my kids are starting to get older and I, and it just felt right. And I was like, I'm doing this, you know, this, this is the time I feel really compelled to do it. And I just like never looked back. I threw away my own scale. I stopped dieting and I uh, got my certificate and has been helping people ever since. It's been amazing. Wow. You threw away your scale. Yeah. That resonates with me right now because well, I have to say, my mother has incredible metabolism. And for much of my life, I walked her same steps. But after having five kids, mm-hmm. you know, your body changes just a little bit. Just a little. <laughs> <laughs> just a little. And the last of my pregnancies was twins. Mm-hmm. So more than a little. Let's just put it that way, listeners. More <laughs> than a little. Okay. Forgive me for this. But if you're a woman and you've had kids, bless you who adopt more than you already have or even your first because you are doing amazing for another child. Yes. But having a child ourselves, like every single pregnancy added like another 10 pounds to my boobs alone. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Just need to throw that out there. And again, I gave you a, an apology beforehand. No need to apologize. <laughs> so... I was actually just in the past week considering getting a scale because I have been lazy. Mm. Not okay. Let me rephrase that. I got scolded last week for using the word lazy because I work a ton. But when you're an entrepreneur, and I'm sure you have, ex- well, maybe you haven't experienced it like this, but I've been not focusing on nutrition as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And have been. I'll call the food lazy. We've been eating a lot of lazy food. What can Mm. we get out of a package and throw in the oven and have it? And snacks. And our family has not seen the produce aisle enough. (laughs) So just, you know, every event that I go to, I'm like, oh, can I wear the same clothes that I wore to the last event? Thankfully, I haven't really had to change those. It does a little bit of a weight and appearance get a lot of mental energy if we're not careful. And even when we are careful. Oh my gosh, you just nailed that. Yeah, you just nailed it. It takes so much mental energy and emotional energy to to take care of ourselves and to nourish ourselves and to move our bodies. And it, it feels like it should be so intuitive, like, oh, this is what we've always done. We just eat you know, what our body needs and craves and we move, but because we don't live in a society like that anymore, you know, if we lived a hundred years ago, it would be much easier. But now all foods that are convenient foods tend to be um, processed foods or fast food or huge portions or what have you. And so like, it totally makes sense. And I, I totally understand what you mean as an entrepreneur, you're so pulled in so many directions that it feels like, oh, just a big chore. Like now I'm going to go make like a home cooked meal and like, like go to the farmer's market and like chop all these vegetables. It could feel really overwhelming. Jenny, I live in the middle of cornfields or soy, you know, depending on what the farmer's plant in Ohio. And I am embarrassed to say that I have lived here almost 14 years and I have never gone to the farmer's market. Mm. And they have a multiple times a week in my town during the right season. 
Well, I feel like it's a luxury almost like, ah, like languish in your day and go to the farmer's market, listen to the music and pick out, you know, your the perfect heirloom tomato. But it actually feels like a luxury to do that. And a lot of us don't take the time to do stuff like that because it almost feels like an indulgence. Like, oh, I've, I have other things I need to do. I've got this deadline. I've got that interview. I've got this, you know, so I can kind of understand why that hasn't happened. Oh, yeah. And the same happened with my own garden in my backyard. Mm. We spent a whole day within a couple months of moving into our house in March of 2016. We spent a whole day taking a small pot of our backyard, taking the grass off the top, rototilling it ourselves. You know, what we needed to do to make it gardenable. Is that the right <laughs> word? I'm making up words today. And well, I have to give myself a little bit of grace there. I did get pregnant with the twins and I was sick for months. And I just didn't feel like gardening. But the garden has still, or the dirt patch, I'll call it now, has been out there ever since. It's not like I couldn't go out there and plant new plants. Oh, I just got a, aha, we have snow on the ground. Yeah, so do we. (laughs) It's April, folks. We should not have snow on the ground in southwestern Ohio in April. We do too. It's actually snowing quite a lot right now. Oh my gosh. But you inspired me just now because now the twins are big enough. And then I also have a four-year-old. The twins are three. Mm -hmm. We are planting our garden this year again. Thank you. Oh, Oh, you're welcome. It's so great with the kids. Like my little one loves to like dig the little holes and put the seeds in and they, they like own it. You know, they, when they're sort of a part of it, not only do they help take care of the garden, but they're actually going to eat the vegetables from like, if I brought home carrots or something, they'd be like, whatever. But if it's from the garden, they're like, Ooh, what are we going to do with this? It's like, that's the same thing. Oh yeah. With my kids, I won't even be able to get them in the door. They'll have eaten. (laughs) I remember a book when I was little blueberries for sale, S-A-L. I don't remember that one. Okay. It's a children's book, but sale goes out with his mother and is picking blueberries and they get separated, and all of a sudden, Sale comes across a bear. I won't give away the book, but everything's okay. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. No spoilers, but yeah. I'm glad everything's okay. But Sale is eating the blueberries out of the bucket the whole time. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's so nice. I love blueberry picking. In, have you ever been to Vermont? I have. Such amazing blueberry patches and bushes and all kinds of stuff. I wanted to say something about regarding your, what you had said before about taking time to go to the farmer's market and like cooking and all this stuff. Do you know that Ted talk speaker, Mel Robbins, she's also an inspirational speaker. So she tweeted something out that I was like, Oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. She said, try this out. Instead of saying, I don't have time, try saying I'm not prioritizing this and Mm. see how it feels. And I was like, that is such a great shift mindset shift, right? Because it's always about prioritizing. That's so true. I sent my husband to the grocery last night or Mm -hmm. yesterday and told him what to pick up for the next few days for dinner. Mm -hmm. I gave him a lazy food list, but I could have given him a healthy food list, taken the time that it would have taken to make the lazy food in the evening, taken that time in the morning and put it in the crock pot. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you consider lazy food? I'm curious. Okay. I told him to pick up a bag of chicken wings. Okay. Or chicken nuggets. I mean, Mm. like the breaded chicken nuggets and pizza rolls tend to be a popular item around my house. Mm. 
lazy food to us is anything in a bag or box in the frozen food aisle that we just that mom just has to throw in the oven and hope that she doesn't burn it (laughs) because I will burn it on the stove but I don't burn stuff in the crock pot right because crock pots are kind of like you just set it and go right yeah exactly and we don't have a pressure cooker however friends who are very food conscious and have told me time and time again you really should get a pressure cooker I've heard the Instapot is like amazing. And it's sort of like a pressure cooker and a rice cooker, apparently, or a slow cooker. I've heard that as well. I haven't gotten one yet, though. But I was going to say, like, there are lots of ways that you can take lazy food and infuse it with nutrient dense additives, like adding and infusing your lazy food with nutrition. So for instance, like if you get your pizza or whatever, you can also buy some frozen vegetables, heat that up and put it on top. Right. And then there you go. You have extra vegetables for that day. Yeah. So there's lots of like lazy uh, hacks, if you will, to build a little bit more nutrient dense meals from the easy, taking the easy way, you know? Absolutely. I do have to give us both a little props though. By us, I mean my husband and I, but you big props for what you're doing. And I actually, I'm going to circle back around because I have a question on the tip of my tongue. Years ago, I went to a popular. I don't want to call it Chinese, P.F. Chang's. I know P.F. Chang's. Yeah. Yes. And was introduced to lettuce rolls. They're lettuce wraps, mm-hmm. which listeners, if you've had them, they're so delicious, but they are so extremely easy to make at home. I hope I don't get like flagged by their legal team for saying this, <laughs> but we just get chicken and we bake it and put it in like teriyaki sauce, which I know that takes, you know, that that's putting probably non-healthy stuff on, but we get lettuce at the store and just make some rice at home. And then we make our own lettuce wraps. That's always a huge hit. Not that iceberg lettuce is um, exactly, you know, nutrient rich. It's the iceberg lettuce doesn't have much, but we could easily switch it out with spinach or something. Well, spinach might be hard to like make into a wrap, but you could do like romaine lettuce would be great or bib lettuce or like Boston bib. Uh, And that's a brilliant, brilliant meal because the kids love making their own stuff. You know, like if you ever had a taco night and stuff, like anything. Oh yeah, it's like art on the plate. Yeah, exactly. And like it gets everybody involved and it's delicious and it's easy. Um, I think that's a huge win, win, win. Thank you. Yeah, (laughs) we're going to have to do that more often. They absolutely loved it last night. It was one of the first times in a while that we've seen them all actually sit at their plate, not try to like run around and find electronics while they were eating. Even at three and four, they want to know whoever's phone is because they've learned our pin codes. (laughs) That's dangerous, Uh, by the way, because they, they take our phones. They go to some obscure corner in a room where the other siblings will leave them alone. I mean, it's hard having the twin three-year-olds and a four-year-old because they constantly want what each other get. But then whoever's phone that they had dies and we can't find it because it's dead and we can't call it to find where it went. Oh my goodness. Then a crisis ensues. (laughs) Absolutely. Have you watched This Is Us? Oh, yes. I love that show. And I actually wrote a blog post about Kate, about the character of Kate. Yes. I'm very intrigued by, and I think that that they did a really good job of portraying what the experience is like of a child who is starting to learn that they're a little bit heavier than their peers and and the, the delicate relationship between the parents and that child and how they're perceived by their peers and 
and the pain and the some of the like angst that they're that they carry around with them. I thought they did a really good job. So I, I felt really like I resonated with it, uh, with a lot of her story. Did you feel that way too? It feels so real. That show is one of my favorites. I, yeah. I watched like maybe three shows and that is always on my list. I think they've done a great job, but or no buts. When she's going to the weight loss support group, mm-hmm. I've always found those portions of the show really fascinating, mm-hmm. not in a bad way, just because they do such a great job. And then there's the really really, really, really skinny girl who goes, I forgot her name at the moment, but I never really thought about it until just some recent episodes that she's struggling with her own inner demons as well. And she's, I I can't remember. I don't want to give any spoilers, but she is, she's struggling on her own side. I mean, she's not dealing with a lot of extra weight, but she's struggling with how to remain a stick. Well, you bring up such a good point, which is a lot of people make assumptions about how much you eat and who you are as an eater and whether you binge or not based on your size. And in fact, it really has nothing to do with your size. Like if your relationship with food is all up in your brain, right? So, I mean, you could be, I've had people come into my office who are 95 pounds and they're telling me that they binge eat and they're, they feel out of control and they don't have a good relationship with food and their issues are just as relevant, just as important to dig into as somebody who is 300 pounds, right? Because it's all about feeling that sense of fear around food or out of control or that you're not empowered around food. And I really resonated with that story arc because, you know, that Kate in the, I don't think this is a spoiler, but she kind of has like some disdain and scorn for this woman, like, how, what, what do you know? And how could you possibly know what I'm going through? But I think that they, Uh, start to have a really an understanding with each other that they're actually what's going on upstairs and their brains and emotionally are very, very similar. Absolutely. Absolutely. Are there any common themes that you see amongst your clients that is creating the unhealthy eating habits? Mm -hmm. Are there any common root issues that need to be worked through that you see? Yeah, there are a few. I mean, a lot of it has to do with how, like what the family relationship with food was. Like, was the mom always dieting? Was there restrictions in the house? Did they start to feel like guilty about eating and about their appetite? Or was it more of like food is love and it's a celebration and it's encouraged? That's a big part of it because uh, families where the mom or and or dad chronically dieted and was very appearance based, it tends to like seep into our psyche where we start to feel like, oh, okay, well, dieting is important. Being thin is important. You know, restricting my food is important because that's what mom does or that's what, you know, you get, it's not like it's so blatant. It's more like a tacit understanding because children are so, so observant and they, they take in so much of the themes and the, the ways that their parents see the world, you know? And then I would also say another theme is if there's been any trauma in that child's life and they haven't been able to find self-soothing techniques, oftentimes they will turn to food to solve those problems and to numb out to the problems because they haven't been given an avenue to really fully digest those experiences and and their feelings, right? So instead of really feeling the feelings and finding ways to calm their nervous systems down and to you know, 
to productively deal with those feelings. They use food as a way to almost as a surrogate to any void that they're feeling or any discomfort that they're feeling. And that stays with them for a very, very long time. And then when we're adults, it's like, we wonder why we're doing it. And we have to kind of go back to that. We have to sort of digest those life experiences fully in order to then find other tools and techniques to really, to deal with really tough and complex feelings, honestly, and experiences. That's so fascinating. And especially because I see a lot of parents, me, you know, offering our children a food reward if they do something. You know, if you pick up your room, we'll give you two cookies. Right. Or if you do this, we'll get McDonald's. I've got a 15-year-old staring at me and nodding right now. (laughs) But it's not just me. I see it all the time. You know, if you're good, I'll give you a piece of candy. Even going through the grocery. There's right right at the front of our grocery, there's actually a little children fruit stand (laughs) right in front of the produce section that has free bananas and apples for the little kids. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, I love that. It is awesome because I remember growing up and the bakery at my grocery always had free cookies for the children. So Mm -hmm. I remember my grandmother, sorry, mom, if you did this, but I remember my grandmother always taking us by the bakery just so we could get our free cookie. (laughs) My children love fruit. We just don't have it as much in the house as we should. I have to confess, though, I've never taken them by the fruit stand. In total transparency, I haven't because I will do anything I can to avoid taking my three littles into the store because it... I totally get that. (laughs) Yeah, it elongates the trip by like three and I have to be careful that they're not, you know, emptying the candy rack in the checkout (laughs) because they do, they, they reach out their hands and we have these little car shopping carts and I'll yeah. be on my way out and I'll realize that while I was paying and checking out, they've been kleptoing the candy display <laughs> and pulling it into the cars, you know? So, oh my God, and then they break loose, like they figured out how to get unbuckled and they break loose. And then they, my favorite is that they go and climb up onto the side of anybody else's cart. My kids are very friendly. <laughs> and they'll start right. asking them why they're buying this and that and this and that. What are you having for dinner tonight? What's that? What's that? Mama, we don't have that. Can we get that? So it, it, it takes like a 10 minute shopping trip and it turns it into 30, 45 minutes. So I will leave my house by 520 if, if I'm lucky. I have to get them at six. Okay. By six. I'll leave here by 520. That's a lie. I leave later <laughs> and I have to run in and run out of the grocery. Yeah. I'm smiling so hard because, sorry. No, because you, you understand, don't you? Or you under, I mean, so yes. many, so many mompreneurs and well, just yes. even moms in careers were, I can't tell you how many of the other daycare parents I see rushing through the store before we, before we get to the daycare. Exactly. We've got 13 and a half minutes left. Let's just hope that the (laughs) checkout's not slow because then we're going to have to pay $5 a minute. Uh, No joke there, though. $5 a minute for every minute that we're late per kid. Oh, I'm not surprised. 
I'm not surprised. Have you ever done this? Like, you know, you have more than like 10 or 15 items, but you like put it in a basket and you go through the express line, just hoping they won't count. Have you done I that? I haven't. <laughs> because I'm like, I'm in a rush. This is, this is good enough. This is express enough, right? I always go to the self-checkout lane though. Oh yeah, that's right. That's good. They don't have that at Trader Joe's though. Oh, Trader Joe's though. Yeah. Do you have Trader I mean, Joe's where you are? No, but I moved here from Westchester County, New York. That's where I'm from. I was living in the Fleetwood area of Mount Vernon. Oh, that's so funny. So I think it was up in Scarsdale or White Plains. That's where I'm from. I'm from Scarsdale. Okay. Yeah. So we would go up there a couple times and check it out. And down here near, or I'm outside of Dayton, we're we're about an hour away from Cincinnati and there's what's called jungle gyms, which, well, we've got Dorothy Lane Market. I've never even mentioned these stores show before. Dorothy Lane Market sells just super high quality food mm-hmm. and they have cooking classes. And then Trader Joe's has anything from around the world that you can possibly imagine. But yeah. that, that 45 minutes to get to the other side of Dayton. I mean, it's like going from, you know, Fleetwood area of Mount Vernon up to White Plains on any given Saturday because the whole rest of the county is trying to do it. Yeah. You just mapped out my version of hell. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh, this is so not related to what we're talking about at all, but I just had to share. Yeah. And you know, the other thing I, I just quickly, you were talking about like using food as like rewards and stuff for your kids. And there's also another way that parents inadvertently use food, but actually damages some of their relationship with food, which is if you, you know, get hurt or if you're bored or if you're, you skin your knee or something, we also give that is a comfort mechanism. Like, oh, you hurt yourself. Here's a cookie or you're bored. Okay. Why don't we go eat? You know what I mean? And that too can play a role in one's relationship with food and self-soothing. Oh, I never thought about that. We got into the band-aid trap in my house Mm -hmm. or maybe I should say bandage. So it's not specific for one. And if they got hurt, they would get a band-aid. So I finally had to change the restriction that they get a Band-Aid if they're bleeding <laughs> because the Band-Aids turned into like little kid tattoos all over. <laughs> but I can totally see how that would happen. I was just going to share, though, and th- yeah. again, this is totally not related to what we were talking about. When when my oldest, who's 15, was born, we were living in Fleetwood. And listeners, if you've never been there, be careful driving. Yeah. That's what I got to say. Be careful driving. Thank goodness, though, Jenny, he was born at four o'clock in the morning. Because I would have never made it up to the hospital. The whole labor from the time I woke up to the time he was born was two hours total. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Should it have happened during rush hour, he would have been born on the Cross County Parkway. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. I was at the hospital for a half hour before he came in. I also, though, see for adults jumping back into the, the flow of our Intended conversation, I can see that it could be so easy to, well, yeah, so easy to eat when we're bored as adults, eat when days aren't going right, eat as celebration, something goes huge. So let's go out for a huge celebration meal. Mm-hmm. And well, we even do it for birthdays. You know, what restaurant are we going to? 
you know, are we going to go to Chinese buffet, which seems to be huge around here and talk about, you know, eating a whole lot more than we should. All you need is Chinese buffet. And there you go. There's like three days worth of calories in one sitting. <laughs> My kids love Chinese buffet too. I mean, there's a reason we all love um, buffets so much. I mean, this idea of like all you can eat really speaks to us because of, of the abundance, right? And the variety. And we are such a species that like loves variety. I mean, why do you think there's like 15 types of Doritos in the store and like 80 types of Oreos, right? Because we love variety so much and buffets give us that. So it's always like a real treat when you can go to something like that. Absolutely. So I have found that when I'm feeling angst or even in celebration mode, I've started journaling. Mm -hmm. What do you recommend for your clients? Oh, there's so many things that we can work on together and every person's different, right? So what I first often do is have that client make a pleasure inventory. So they make a list of everything and anything that gives them pleasure and joy and meaning and satisfaction. And it can be anything from like spending time with your best friend to walking outside and feeling the leaves crunch under your feet. Like it could be really small things. And when we start to bring gratitude and find joy in these like really mundane things, but also recognize what are the things that really light us up, that really give us passion, that, that have our dopamine centers, like reward centers light up, then food becomes what it's supposed to be, which is, you know, a way to nourish yourself and a way to fuel your body rather than having it replace being the replacement for emotions that we're not, that we're either we're not wanting or that we're having too much of. Right. So I think that making that pleasure, pleasure inventory, uh, anything besides food, by the way, and then they can start to like embody those things, like whether it's journaling, like you said, or maybe joining a Scrabble league or, you know, listening to podcasts or, and music, taking a walk, going hiking. There's so many ways that you can have those, have the dopamine and serotonin pathways, you know, light up and be part, you know, front and center. So that food just becomes like, eh. like when I started my business, I was so engrossed and so passionate about everything I was doing that for the first time in my life, I was forgetting to eat. Like for me, that was like, huge. Like I never forget to eat. I'm always like aware of where my next meal is coming from. But because I was so, so passionate about what I was building, what I was doing, that literally was, I was like, oh yeah, I've got to eat something. My, I'm, my stomach's growling, right? So it's about really finding your passion and doing the things that make you happy as a, uh, as a whole holistic person. I am so glad you brought that up because I have that problem too. Actually, when my husband went to the store yesterday, I did ask him to get me something for lunch for today because I knew, well, also my kids are on spring break, so I knew we needed something for lunch. But if we're not careful, those other activities can also turn into addictions. You know, what we're doing mm -hmm. instead of eating. I am a workaholic. I mm. will confess that fully. I not only do I forget to eat, but I forget to use the restroom. Like I'll stand up to go get something and all of a sudden my bladder is screaming, oh my gosh, you should have gone four hours ago, right? Oh, yeah. But there's people who get into working out obsessively, you know, mm -hmm. it becomes that addiction that they're doing it way too much. I know it's probably hard for a lot of us to imagine that, but there are people who do it. There's, I mean, I have a family of video gamers which is not healthy, you know, if you're doing it out of not proportion, 
I'm looking for a word. I know listeners, uh, you can put it in there for me and you too, Jenny, but you know, if we're doing too much, so how do you have any suggestions on how moderation that's, I think mm-hmm. that's the word I was moderation. Yeah. Do you have any suggestions for how we can moderate these, not only food, but also, well, you just gave the pleasure list, but the other activities so that they don't become a replacement addiction. I mean, yeah, that, no, I, I mean that in a good way. Well, I guess. I, t- I totally hear what you're saying. You can't replace one sort of addiction for another, right? And some of us are more inclined towards that type of focus and being myopic and really like passionate to the, almost to the, to our detriment. What I would say is really looking, I have this concept called like hubs of happiness. And, and when I'm working with a client, I'm looking at all facets of their life. So it's not just, you know, food, but also like how they're moving and exercising. Are they honoring their spirituality if they have that? Are they in community and honoring and nurturing their relationships? Are they pursuing their passions? Are they having balance? And then really that's what it's about is creating time and space and having balance for all facets of who we are as human beings. Because when we're in that balance, that's when we're going to really thrive and feel our happiest. I love that. I love that. I just got finished, well, a few weeks ago reading Brendan Burchard's High Performance Habits. And he has a checklist that he has his clients go down reviewing various aspects of their life. I think it's 10 different areas once a week mm-hmm. just to see how they were doing. I don't think it would be a bad idea to review maybe not 10, but five areas every day. Food. I agree. Right? Even sleep. Sleep. Well, I fell into it a few times working so much that I wasn't sleeping like I should. Yeah. Well, self-care is so, there's so much to it. You know, it's not just getting like a mani-pedi. You're right. It's like having a good sleep hygiene routine. It's making sure that you're nurturing your relationships, that you're doing things in community with people that, you know, that resonate with you and that you're doing something to contribute to society or in some way. And there's so many aspects of, of what makes us happy, you know, and oftentimes we'll just focus on one thing to make us happy, but the truth is we need, it needed to be in balance. I think all of these aspects are important. Absolutely. I totally agree. I would love to know what the, and this is jumping off of the food for just a moment, what your, self-care systems and support have looked like in your personal and professional life since you started your business? Oh, that's a great question. So when I was launching my book last April, I had, I was kind of feeling really, really um, myopic is the word I keeps coming to mind. Like where I was, I was so singularly focused on the book that and launching the book and that I started to realize like, I didn't feel good. Like I hadn't moved my body enough. I wasn't like taking self-care breaks. And so I started to write down like, what am I going to, what do I need to do to launch this book successfully and still take care of myself and my family? Right. So what it's, sometimes it's very basic. My trainer said, why don't we work out outside today? And I was like, great. And we went to this park And we were literally like playing around with trees. Like I was climbing branches and ducking under things and literally just being in nature was so therapeutic for me. And just to get away from the screen and to get get my body moving in this really organic and playful way 
was so nourishing to me. I remember it so clearly. I was like, oh, this is exactly what I needed, right? And I, and sometimes we're so focused that we don't realize we need it until we're like actually doing it, right? So for me, self-care is often being in nature in some way, getting time outside, spending time with people I care about, um, you know, even if it's just a phone call with someone I had, you know, who lives for, far away. Um, oftentimes it's mindful eating and just being mindful in general, med- taking time to meditate and be pr- fully present and drop into my body to ask it what it needs right now, which is very hard to do when you're so focused as an entrepreneur. We just stay in our heads and we're not dropping into our bodies to ask it like, oh, do I need like some protein right now? Or do I need to go to yoga? Or do I need like some social interconnect, you know, interconnectedness? Do I need to like read a book maybe or take a break? And so all of those things played a role when I was really, really focused on my book and that I still do today. Oh, I love that. What type of support systems and support team have you implemented Mm -hmm. or do you have implemented? Well, uh, my friends are a big support, uh, my husband and my family. Other than that, you know, I really just, you know, use sometimes Facebook groups. Like I'm in a couple of like self-care Facebook groups, which will give you like challenges because we need reminders. We need reminders that often, like as women, we're always taking care of, I mean, you're a mom of five. I'm a mom of three. We're often taking care of everybody else and every other thing in the house and with our kids and that we completely forget about ourselves. So even if you don't have a whole team, you can have certain people that remind you to, hey, Jenny, like go go outside for a walk. You know, I'll have friends that be, that will hold me accountable to that. And like, Jenny, you sound so tired. Why don't you go for a walk? Like, I know that always makes you feel better. And I'll be like, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, but I'm in some Facebook groups that help. I'm in some challenges sometimes. I like to go to yoga classes because it's a group of people together with the same goal. You know what I mean? And I see, I think of that as a self-care support team in a way. So there's lots of avenues to do that. Oh, I love that. I set up reminders on my phone. Mm, yeah. And my 12-year-old especially laughs at it because there's a special ring that goes along with one of my reminders. It, it, it happens several times a day. It says, I have an abundance of peace, passion, and prosperity in my life. Oh, I love that. So when it goes off, the, the first time he's like, what was that? And I told him, I have an abundance of peace, passion, and prosperity in my life. And he says, what? I asked <laughs> you what that was. I was like, yeah, and I'm telling you. And I said it again. So now when it goes off, he'll say it sometimes. What a great reminder. Yeah. And but what I really need to do is set more reminders into my phone so that I'm remembering to eat and Mm -hmm. that I do just get up and stretch my legs. The Pareto principle, am I saying it right? Pareto principle, the 25 minutes working and then five minutes taking a break never has really worked for me because Mm -hmm. a lot of my tasks are very attention focused. And I feel like if I get up 25 minutes in and go focus on that task that I'm going to lose my train of thought. Yeah. And then, and then comes the, the war of multitasking. You know, it's going to take me 10 minutes just to get back in after that five minute break. 
I totally know what you mean. And I use this app called Brain FM, I think it's called. And they have other ones too, where they play ambient music and it gets you like super focused on what you're doing, the task that you're doing. And then there's a timer. So like when it's done, it's a good like sort of natural reminder to get up and do something different for a little while. And that's, you know, you could time it to however you want. So like for me, if I don't have like a good hour, I find it hard to like delve into any sort of projects. I'm always worried about time. Like it's, I'm not going to have enough time. I'm not going to have enough time. But like, if I do, let's say have an hour and a half, I'll set the timer on the brain FM to play that amount of time. And then when it's over, it's a natural cadence, right? To go and get a snack or to go take a quick walk or to call a friend or do something different. I love that. I also have heard of Forrester. I'm just trying to make sure that that's it. Forrester will actually have you set timers, focus timers while you're working, it will be growing a tree. Oh my God. Yeah. And then, and you can make it so that it blocks you from accessing social media sites while the timer's on. That's brilliant. Oh, I love that. I'm going to have to check that out. It's called Forester. Yes. Forester. I'm just trying, or Forest. Forest. Sorry, Forest. Jenny and listeners, I am so sorry. There is a cat trying to break into my office. I think that it's usually good enough to get them out of my office. But today they are trying to break in, not out. I heard the cat and I looked over because my cats are sleeping. And I was like, wait, I hear a cat. It sounds just like mine. (laughs) Yeah, I actually, this is actually the second time in the last week that I have thought that I got them all out, but there was one inside my office, as it turned out, and another outside, so they're whining at each other through the door. Positive <laughs> productivity, you know, it's not about perfection, but it's not about doing all. the best that we can. This has been absolutely amazing, Jenny. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. This has been so wonderful to talk with you. You're so funny. <laughs> And then we never know. I told you and listeners, we never have any idea where the conversation is going to go. I certainly had no intention of saying that my child could have been born on the highway had it not been, (laughs) you know. But if you are the one who is racing through the grocery, you know, at the last minute, know that you are not alone. Not at all. (laughs) Jenny, where can listeners find you online and connect with you? Oh, yes. Thank you so much. So the best place to find me is my website, which is www.jennyedencoaching.com. Oh, fabulous. That's so easy. And listeners, if you're driving or working out or, you know, out for your walk, you can find that at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP326. Jenny, will put any of your other social media links on there as well. Perfect. Do you have a last piece of parting advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners? Visit your farmer's market. No, I'm just kidding. Um, hey, I see. love it. Yes. Yeah. Let's see. I think what, you know, the one of the main things that came out of our conversation today is to really take that time to build in self-care. And no matter what you're doing is that there's room and space and time for lots of other things that make you happy. And so, but it's up to us, it's up to each of us to find a plan to make sure that we're honoring and nurturing those other things in our lives too. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com 
to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.